This morning, we're going to be talking about new wine. New wine. Anyone, anyone like new stuff? Do you, any skeptics in here? Something's new and you're like, no? Right? There's a reason for that. Sometimes new stuff that comes out, we're like, that was terrible. That wasn't good at all. I was doing some research this week. Um, you know the snow in Wizard of Oz was asbestos? You know that? That's not very wonderful, right? People used to use her heroin as cough syrup. Okay, yep. That was a new thing that didn't work. Kids used to physically handle mercury in science class. I think I remember doing that. I don't know if you're supposed to or not. Um, there was a time, and I do remember this for sure, that it was very normal to have your kids sitting in the front seat unbuckled. Right? Anyone else remember that? Like it was not, you were not a bad parent. You, right now, if you did that, you'd they'd call the cops. Right? And so there is a reason why we are very skeptic to new wine. Right? We're, we're skeptical. We're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Something new. Today we're going to be talking about new wine and what, what Jesus means for it. And it's, it's really important that we as, uh, as believers receive this wine. Um, Albert Einstein said insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Um, for some of us here this morning, maybe you're not a, you're not a believer. You're, like, you're, you're here, but you're like, you have not truly committed to Jesus Christ. And our prayer is that you would accept this gospel, what Jesus is talking about today, this new wine. Maybe you're a believer here, and you're caught in this trap of just, there's not victory. There's a difference between walking um, in just uh, tri tribulation and just kind of junk, and then walking in this non-victory, right? And that, that would be that insanity. You, you, say, you, you say, man, I am with Jesus, but you're not with Jesus. You're not walking with Jesus. This is what we're going to be talking about today. So open your Bibles to Luke 5, and we're going to be in verses 33 to 39. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and in those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it onto the old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new one will not match the old. Verse 37. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for he says the old is better. Let's pray. Father, Lord, move among your people today. According to your words, according to your promises. God, you do not meet with us here today because we are good or because of the environment that we have put here. You meet with us today because you are good. Because you keep your promises. And God, we thank you for that. Move among your people that we would receive this new wine and that we would be new vessels. In Jesus' name, amen. So right before this, uh, Jesus performing many miracles and the crowds are gathering. Who doesn't want to see a miracle? Who doesn't want to see people healed, right? Just like now, 2,000 years ago, it's the same thing. People are falling after Jesus. And right before this passage, Levi the tax collector gives Jesus a great feast. 
and the religious leaders at the time tried to excuse, excuse him of being ungodly because he's hanging out with sinners. Which he replies, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And in this passage, the religious leaders are trying to accuse Jesus of not being good enough by saying he and his disciples are not fasting. They're, first of all, they're, they're, they're saying, hey, man, like, what are you doing hanging out with these non-good people? And Jesus is like, I've come for the sick. I've come for those that believe they're sinners. And then they're like, okay, well, that doesn't work. Well, now, hey, we notice we're fasting as Pharisees. We're fasting on Mondays. We're doing Thursdays. We're going over and above what you should be doing. We want everyone to see it. And your guys, your guys are not fasting. You're eating and drinking. What's up with that? And what they're talking about is rules and regulations, but Jesus has come with this invitation of relationship. We need to understand that... um, There is a spirit behind legalism. Raise your hand if you know what legalism is, okay? Or that religious spirit that I'm talking about. Um, It's really something that's in the the Middle East, but we deal with it in, in our Western culture as well. There is a spirit behind this, a demonic spirit, I would say, where we will we will always look to rules and regulations, saving ourselves or just following this method rather than being in a relationship with the living God. Let's look at Matthew 6, 16 through 18. Um, as they also asked um, Jesus about, about fasting. It says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites, hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And then here Jesus was also questioned about the Sabbath, and his answer was in, in Mark 2, 27, they said to him, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so they, they are looking at Jesus, and they don't like how he's spending the Sabbath. They have all these rules, all these regulations. They don't like how he's fasting, right? And Jesus is like, you're fasting and you're Sabbathing wrong. And he lets them know, the Sabbath was a gift for you. Not you, a gift for the Sabbath. This isn't a rule and ob- obligation where you earn me. This is something I invited you to receive. Well, just to think about that, just how quick and easy it is for our human. I'm a rule follower. I like, I like the T's to be crossed and the I's to be dotted. Like, and if you don't do, and if you don't do your stuff, I will be frustrated at you. Anyone else in here? Right, a little OCD. Right, it's not good. Right, there's some good to it, but. Well, you got to be careful with it. And as Jesus is saying there's a relationship and that they're missing it. It's why they miss who Jesus is. It's this new wine that he's talking about. And it's so easy for this new wine, Jesus, and this vessel, this new creation, it's so easy for a little that, that yeast of the Pharisees, that religious spirit, especially in the Midwest, God has so many promises here in the city of Springfield, which is why the enemy is like, man, if I can just give them a dose of religion, it looks like Jesus. It looks like the gospel. It looks like church, but it's not, and we'll take that substitute. When Jesus said, I've given you a a new wine to be new vessels, 
come into relationship with me. We encourage you to fast and to pray. It's an important thing to do. It is a tool that the Lord has given us to draw close to him. It's not something to be manipulated or done out of guilt. Do we, do we see the difference? Or to let everybody see, guys, everybody know I'm fasting. Two, oh, you're fasting two days a week? I fast five days a week because I'm that holy. Woo! Right? And I'm going to put it on Facebook. I'm going to put it on Instagram. I don't have Instagram, but if I did, I'd put it on there so everybody would know just how good I am and that there's a warning to that. So they ask him about this, and like, why aren't, you, why aren't you guys fasting? And Jesus is someone that fasted, but in this season they didn't. He said, why would, they, why would they need to fast as they're with the bridegroom, which this language would be Old Testament of, of God. He's saying, they're, he's saying something really profound here. It's like, they're walking with God. Why would they need to fast? They can't get any closer. See, fasting is for, for mourning. Fasting is for seeking God. And, and Jesus is saying, they couldn't be any closer with me. Right? right now is a time to, to drink and eat and be merry and be in relationship. They're, he said, trust me, there's going to be a time when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And then they will fast. So Jesus is asking us to be in relationship with them, with this new wine. And the religious spirit just can't handle it. And it's something even in our Western culture where, you know, Eastern culture, the fact that Emmanuel, God, is with us, that is something even to this day that, that, is, that is heresy to them. That is, that is offendable by death. But even in our religious spirit, how, how, how would God dwell among us? How would God move? In fact, if we're not careful, we'll kind of create this environment. God will only move if, if we're really good. God will only move unless we have it just right. No, God moves in our midst because he is good, not because we are good. Amen? Have you ever had someone in your life uh, that the relationship just didn't feel real? It was more of an obligation. Um, or when you're talking to them, it's not like they're really listening to you. Right? It's like some steps were skipped. You ever had that friend that's like they decided that you were best friends before you were really even best friends? Like, we're just such good friends. You're like, I don't even know where you live, right? I've, I've gone through that multiple times where it's like, this is weird. I don't, I don't know. You know, or like, what if I do things for my wife who I love, but I just do things so, you know, there's, there's uh, ulterior motives, not because I love her. Or I hang out with my kids, not because I really, like, know them or want to hang out with them, but because I want the good dad award. Like, these are, these are things that are bad. Or let's say I hang out with people from the church. Well, I'm a pastor. I'm obligated to do it. And this is what God is saying here. He's saying, you don't fast. You don't pray. You don't have Sabbath this way. And so sometimes the way Jesus moves in our religious spirit, it'll kind of it'll go up against us. And we need to recognize that today. Does that make sense? Jesus will move in the way. He'll forgive people that you wouldn't forgive. He'll move in the lives of people that you think don't deserve it because he is that good and that, that extraordinary. And we need to remember, even when we meet today, it is just because God is good. Psalms 51, 17 is one of my favorite passages. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. God is here out of our love and devotion for him because we need him, not because it's going to manipulate him. 
God says to me, you just, like, don't just give me lip service. Come and worship me because you know me. Come and taste and see that he is good. Religion will always tell you, no, 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 no. Like, don't, don't, don't really taste. Don't really see. Um, I have a confession to make. I don't really like um, when people invite me over to dinner. I don't, especially if I'm hungry, I don't really like to take that invitation. You know, so if, if I've said no to your invitation, this is probably why. Not because I don't like you. It's because I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to want to eat. Right? When someone makes, like, barbecue chicken, and they're, like, getting out the utensils, and you're like, no, like, you use your fingers for this. And you go for it. Right? And if it's someone I trust, my family, I'm like, I'm going for it. I don't care what I look like. Right? Are you, like, are you the type of person that eats pizza, pizza with a fork and knife? Use your hands. Eat that baby, right? It's that taste and see that he's good. And our religious, just conservative nature will go, God says, come and taste and see. And you're like, I'll just have a nibble. That's not, t- no. taste and see that he is good. If you've been raised in the church, right, you need to denounce in Jesus' name that religious spirit that, that, the longer I'm a Christian, the more I grow with Jesus and that fruit comes in. But something that always con- tries to come in and steal that fruit is legalism and religion. Where I talk about God rather than talking to God. The new wine that Jesus is talking about is his grace. The new wineskin is the gospel. And it just doesn't fit in their culture and their understanding of God. In their culture and their understanding, everything was religious and earned. And this is not the way of Jesus. And this thinking is alive and well today. God moves among those that get it right rather than God moves in those that just need their daddy. Do we see the difference? C.S. Lewis said this. God became man to turn creatures into sons, not simply to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of man. And see, what they were wanting to do is they were like, hey, Jesus, like, you're not really fitting in our system. And Jesus is like, I've come to break this system because the system has got off course. I've come to give you a new covenant. You think when I showed you the law that you could do this, and it was supposed to show you that you can't and that you need me and that you cry out more for me, yet you've just made all these rules and regulations to keep me away from you. And what does he say to the Pharisees and Sadducees said, you come up with even more rules so people won't draw closer to me. They just fake it. It's called religion. And Jesus says it's so much that you don't even see me now because you can't imagine a God that would love you so much that he'd come as a baby and he would serve you and die for you because in your way of thinking, that religious way of thinking, a God would never do that. That's what Jesus is saying. The greatest among you will serve you. And Jesus was showing, hey, I'm the greatest among you, and I'm going to serve you. Do we understand that? John 3, 1 through 4. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. 
How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And so this isn't the first time that Jesus has dealt with this new wine. Nicodemus, who loved God, had this hard time understanding. He's like, I just, like, you're walking with the Lord, Jesus. You're doing, obviously God is with you, but again, you're not fitting into our religious understanding. And Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, you're going to have to become new again. You're going to have to, like, submit yourself to me and need me rather than your rules and your regulations. See, Jesus isn't a patch that we can put on the leaks of our lives. And that's what we do as Americans, right? We watch infomercials and, and we, you know, we, we do shop therapy and all these different things. We get every book that can fix us. And that's kind of what we do with Jesus. Like, yeah, I'm aching, so I'll take the Jesus pill for this and that. But that's not Christianity. He isn't a patch that we can just put onto the leaks of our lives. He's so much more than that. He wants all of you, not just some of you. And this is a cliche understanding or, or, or saying that I've heard all my life, Christian on Sunday, but the rest of the week I'm something else. Like, that's a, that's, a, that's a seed that can come into your life, friends. I have my friends that I act this way around, and then other friends that I don't act this way around. And this is why Christians for 2,000 years have declared Jesus as Lord and Savior. Do we understand that difference? He's not just my savior. He's my Lord. He's everything. He wants the ugly parts of me. He wants the uncomfortable parts of me to forgive me, to transform me. If you're a Christian on Sunday for two hours, but then the rest of the week, nobody would even know that, then there's a problem with that. That is a new vessel trying to put different wine in there. And this is never going to work heard this saying a long time ago, and I believe it. The most miserable people believe in God, but act like he doesn't exist. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And for us... You know, it's, it is money in the West, but it can be, it can be anything. We, to truly surrender to the Lord, and for them it was like, you know, for those that thought they could save themselves through religion, how could they look for a Savior? And we can almost do the same thing. As we look at this new wine and what it is as, as, as believers, we're now in, in the year 2024 which makes me feel old because I'm doing the math, right? And I have a birthday coming up soon. It's, it's not pretty. But when we look at this, we want to be new vessels that the Lord can use. And our understanding that this new wine is being poured into new vessels, it isn't just about salvation. It is, like, first of all, about salvation. But for the believer, it's every day. Like, Lord God, you can forgive me and transform me. You are quick to forgive You can make me new every morning, Father. And for some of us, if we're not careful, even as believers, we'll go back to that old wineskin or we'll try to put a patch and we'll start thinking the way of of a non-believer. We'll start to think like the world does. 
and will wonder, like, well, how am I a believer, but yet I'm just so unsatisfied with this Jesus? Well, it's because you're not taking that new wine and that new vessel now. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Do you believe that? And as we look at this, this past year of 2023 and going into 2024, I think it's important that we look at this new wine. And I encourage you to grieve parts of this year. But, you know, it's the new year. We're not supposed to talk about pain and suffering. But there's no way, I don't care, you know, the last 365 days 2023, there's no way that you didn't have some mourning. If we're not careful in our world of consumerism, we'll think like the world. We won't, you know, Jesus, the reason why, like, he offended people so much is he took his time. He wasn't in a hurry to do certain things. He's on mission, but he wasn't in a hurry. Grieve. Psalms 30, 11 through 12. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. It's important that, you know, and for you and me, for all of us, that God did some great things in 2023. But for me to move in to 2024, for you, I also need to take a time of healing and grieve. He turns our mourning into dancing. And if we're not careful, some of us won't, you know, I don't trust just anybody. If you know me, I don't just trust anybody with the things that are hard. It's almost easier to talk about certain things from the pulpit than it is face-to-face. I don't just trust just anybody. And for some of us, we don't trust our God to do that. Oh, no, no, 2023 was great. You, You hear people say, like, but you know what? I'm kicking it out the door. That's not mourning. That's just complaining. Right? That's not grieving. That's just, oh, it was terrible. See you later. You would not do that if you were mourning a person or a thing. He turns our mourning into dancing. You will not dance until you mourn. Start to trust the Lord with those difficult things in life. As a pastor, as a father, as a friend, the greatest moments, or at least some of the greatest moments, have been when people have invited me into their grief that would trust me when they're saying, this was really hard. Can I have a hug? This was really hard. Can we go out to coffee and talk? And to take Jesus with you on that journey. Tim Keller, when he was alive, said this. Suffering is unbearable if you aren't certain that God is for you and with you. Right? Right? So we that new wine part of us is like, Lord God, like, we don't want to be religious. We want to be real and raw. We want to go with you, take all the hard parts with, with you as well. Heard this quote this week. Um, when someone you love becomes a memory, that memory becomes a treasure. Right? That's that healing process. And healing hurts in the process, but it's so worth it. So I'd encourage you. As you're looking to the Lord to do some great things in your life this year, and I, and I hope you do because of the gospel, that you'd also take some time to grieve because it's so worth it. In fact, some of us are caught in this circle that we will not grow if we do not mourn and grieve. That pain 
is a gift from God. And you cannot love without some pain. Second thing, give thanks for the good things of this past year. For some, you're like, I could just do that all day. For others, I'm like, no, I've like I've two things I'm thanking God for. That's it. Like, I encourage you dive, dive deeper. Man, there is there is power in praise. Hebrews 12, 28, 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Man, our worship is to have some, why, you know, and maybe you come from a different background. Like, why are there people whistling? That's probably me in the back. I whistle. I don't know why, you know. There are people, like, freaking out and stuff because that's a part of their praise. This is what's happened on the inside is coming on on the outside. If that's not you, that's okay. Be authentic in your worship, but still be thankful. Romans eight twenty eight. In this thankfulness, as we go through hard things, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Right? That, that, new, that new vessel and that new wine understands this. God is for you. He's not against you. Like, you can be thankful even through the hard storms of this last year because you are centered in Christ. All the people that love Jesus in the Bible went through horrible things, but they also went through marvelous things with Jesus. Just like every relationship you've ever had, the greatest relationship you've had, they've been through the hard things with you, hard, desperate things, but the great things as well. And we're in relationship with God, it's the same thing. And as we mourn, and as we give thanks, that we'd also, in the lens of Christ, new vessels, that we'd look to this year with hope and declarations of fruit to come. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is, is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And our hope for you today as we look at this next year that God wants to use you. You know, a mandate in, in Genesis would be to be fruitful and multiply. We know what that's about. And to subdue the earth, which means the Lord says, and this is before the curse. The Lord's saying, I have some stuff for you to do. What some of us do sometimes as Christians is like, well, you know what? I am just waiting for him to come back, and that's when life will start. I think it's important that we are, are saying, like, God, you're coming back for your bride. But it would give us hope to get off the couch. That it would give us hope to forgive people, to see people with the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ, including yourself. That new wineskin and that new wine looks at sin and says, you don't have power over me. Man, I've ministered to too many young men that are addicted to things on their, 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 their iPhone or their computer or magazines or whatever because simply in their minds, they are not renewed. They have just decided, you know what, I am a creature that cannot stop doing certain things. Or maybe there's someone that struggles with gossip and meanness. I'm like, you know what? That's just what I do. I can't help it. That's not the new wine or the wine vessel. There is so much more victory here for the believer for now and for eternity. Amen? This is the worship team. You guys go ahead and come up because we, we want to just spend some time with Jesus. We've got four questions because I wanted to be an overachiever today. No, it's just four that I came up with.
Number one, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? For some, it's, it's, that, it's, it's the first time believer. Like, man, I've been around. I've been around people like this. Like, man, I've been around the gospel my whole life. I've called myself even a Christian. He's not king. And only you can answer that. This isn't judgment. This is between you and God. Have you truly surrendered your life to Jesus? Where you are the vessel, that new creation in Christ, and he's just that wine, that new wine being poured out into you. It changes you. It transforms you. It's something that we believe so much. You don't change the gospel, but the gospel surely changes you. And this is something that, because we've got, we know that God will never leave us or forsake us, he'll take our sin as far as the east is from the west. I can, with wholeness, ask this question. Have I truly surrendered my life to Jesus? Second, and just a growth what do you need to grieve? It saddens me that in some of our places of worship and church um, that we can't, you know, we can't take the hard things. And yes, still, still have joy, joy of the Lord, but still like trust the Lord in those deep, hard places and grieve. Let him turn your mourning to dancing. God doesn't ever get sick of our grief. What do you need to be thankful for? Some of us, man, we never get to that, that dancing part. Dancing in church doesn't really, like, it's not in our theology, but it's in the theology of Jesus. And then lastly, what are you looking to with hope and declarations of fruit? And you might be like, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? This being positive? No, it's talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ working in your life. Talking about being fruitful and multiplying and subduing the earth. The calling of all believers. We're not called to just sit on the couch for this time or for eternity. And our prayer for this church is that we would all get off the couch. One of the greatest hopes that we have in our leadership, and I believe all pastors should and many do, is that we come together. This isn't about the numbers. It's not about, I mean, yes, we want to see people get saved, but really it's equipping the church to see people get saved, to go out and do good works in this time of darkness. And one of the sad things is when things get dark in this world, and they are now, wait a minute, they've been that way for 2,000 years, that the church shrinks and hides. When God has said, man, I need some new wine vessels that let me pour some new wine into them again and again and again that believe in the gospel, that believe in transformation, that believe in giving to the poor, and giving to the needy to help people get back up again, that love people, that believe sin is death and they don't want any part of it, those are the people that God is calling. Right? And would we be those people that we would look with hope and declarations of fruit, and not just over our kids, but over your life now, whether you're 80 years old, 90 years old, or 10 years old. Say, so you know what? God wants to do some good stuff because he's that good. If you guys can stand, we're going to close in prayer. And after the prayer, if, man, if you'd like to pray with someone, I encourage you, would let them lay hands on you and pray for you as you go through surrendering your life to Jesus or grieving or being thankful or, you know what, maybe you have some declarations of fruit that, man, I just need to pray for this. And that's a biblical thing. It's also communion in the back. We just want to worship the Lord and all that he's done and all that he will do.
Father, Lord, you are good. Oh, Lord Jesus, there's so much more to you. And as believers, we have the invitation to more, not less. So much more of your Holy Spirit that can be poured out. So much more of your love and your power, your forgiveness, your righteousness. Father, would the fruit of the Spirit be contagious in this house? God, we'd be people that would dance. Yeah, we would fast. We would pray. We would Sabbath and rest. Find joy in the Sabbath. But find joy in the dancing. Lord God, that we would trust you with our grief and we would mourn. God, you mourn. You cry. You grieve. Would we cry? Would we cry when we need to, Lord? Would we also dance when we need to? Holy Spirit, would we walk in the fruit of the gospel and be marked by your power and by your love? Would we see the hope of the gospel over this world? That all who come to Jesus will be saved, transformed, and renewed. Father, we love you and we praise you.